Well, welcome back to the Park Hills Podcast. We, this week, are talking through the books of the kings. And as we do so, if you are interested or want to talk more about all of this, head to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. You know, you could always email us and ask us questions, and we'd love to interact with those on this very podcast. You got to put away the air guitar, man. <laughs> we do like that music. <laughs> yeah, I, I just hope you're all imagining right now, Mark, jamming out while we listen to that. Actually, I had I had highly skilled air guitar. Um, I've heard rumors. Ways. Mm-hmm. I've heard rumors. Yep, I had friends who were far better on the drums than I, but I, I had the guitar down pretty good. I had hair for it. Just I did have the, the hair. The fact for it. that you believe. That your friends were better at air drums than you were at air drums. Oh, they didn't miss beats like I did, uh, and I'd miss some beats <laughs> on the, the, the drums. But I'm telling you, I did. I did have the hair for it. I, we all know that. If you have not seen pictures, <laughs> man, you got to go back and check this out. Maybe I'll grow it back. Who knows? But the idea that that your friends doing an imaginary event believe that some were better at the imaginary event than others is just awesome. It's yeah, well, awesome. I mean, I, I could see it. I mean, they just definitely, definitely had it. You know, when somebody's bad at that, you can really notice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would sit and talk about this all day instead of talking about what we are venturing to talk about. Because uh, I don't like the kings of Israel. Yeah, about them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I talk about the good one? Oh, wait. Yeah. They're all evil. There isn't one. There's not one. And... Air guitar and air drums is way more fun than talking about this. So what what stands out to you about them? Well, you want to just say, I don't know, at least I find myself saying, are you guys just completely ignorant? But then I know that that's the kind of pride that, you know, when we find ourselves astray from Mm -hmm. the Word of God and you go, okay, no, I'm the ignorant one. And so you can see how... Well, it's hard to see how how wrong they become and how messed up they become. And, and just when, when the instruction is so clear, don't worship other gods, don't have idols, right. don't. And that's what they do and do it right. so quickly and with such enthusiasm. And the cultural pull toward that just had to be more massive than we can imagine, you know, to, that they all are drawn to that so easily or so, yeah, all of them anyway, from, from Israel, they're just so pulled into it. Yeah, it's weird. You're right. And I think when I look back on it, I go, yeah, you had one rule, you know, and how do you, I don't know, how do you miss that? But then on the, on the flip side of that, I, I often look at this time period and I think, how do they not know what to do? And you just said, you know, how do you not focus on the Bible? Well, the Bible isn't even formed right. in its form that we know it as yeah. yet. The, these stories existed. 
someone's writing them down somewhere. I mean, we've got reference to that. We've got reference to the law showing up every once in a while. But that's more in Judah mm-hmm. than the northern kingdom. So there's almost this weird thing of when they separated and then Jeroboam sets up these two spots of worship and one yeah. in Bethel and one in Dan, they all but cast their vote for where they were heading in the long run anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, if you don't have access to Torah, you don't have access to any of the stories that are going to sort of ground you where you're supposed to be, you go bad. Yeah, if you're not, you know, connected to somebody who's got it memorized, who just knows it and and quotes it for people and who's trusted or whatever, or, right. you know, have some copy of it, then, yeah, you're in a lot of trouble, especially if that tradition isn't handed down. And I think sometimes as we read over these, we have to notice there's massive amounts of time between these yeah. kings in some cases. So you could see how that gets lost, at least generationally. But boy, lost is hardly the word. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, because you, you read it and you, I don't know if I've ever really read it as closely as I should. So when I read, you know, in the 26th year of Asa, king of Judah, Elah, the son of Basha, began to reign over Israel. At that point, I'm usually falling asleep right. in my own reading. And I'm a Bible nerd. But it's, but yeah, you stop and you say, okay, wait a minute. There's, here's all these years and all these years. Sometimes it's just short reign. Yeah. You know, even like in Judah, but you think of Manasseh having a 55-year reign. Crazy. Well, how much tradition gets lost even in our culture or truth or whatever or ways of functioning gets lost in, in a 55-year span? It's, I mean, how different are we today than we, that as a nation than we were 55 years ago? Well, I wouldn't know. I'm too young. But obviously, <laughs> a lot has changed. I'm not 55. I'm not, yeah. But you, I love how you're, I'm not that, I'm not that old. That's good. <laughs> Pushing. I'm assuming things have changed in Pushing 55 it. years. <laughs> I mean, but it's true, yeah. you know, if, if there's not someone keeping that before the people, then what happens? You absorb the ways of the land. Right. And they're bringing in all these foreigners and, and they're, they're intermarrying, which they were told not to do in the first place. So. What happens? They bring in the right. foreign ways, and it's like, oh, you need to do this. And what the draw of that was, other than just the power of evil, you know, whatever it was, it was powerful. You know, it really, right. really gripped people, and they really wanted to do it. You know, whether that was just because it was tied to sexuality or whatever, right. whatever it was, it certainly had its pull on them. And, and boy, did it get these kings along with everybody else. Yeah, which brings up a huge point. I mean, most people kind of freak out about the whole intermarriage thing. And and that had, that was then used later on in our culture even about who's allowed to marry whom and what does that look like. Right. That's not necessarily what the Bible's advocating for or against here. It's just saying if you marry people from other countries who have practices that worship other gods, yep. it's not going to go well for you. But if you're paying attention to the text, we've already had a number of individuals. Rahab is one. Tamar is another, yeah. you know, Bathsheba is one that we just looked at uh, briefly, you know, a little bit ago, you know, and you, and Ruth, the Moabite, you look at these individuals and they are committed to the one true God. Yeah. So there's no issue with marrying somebody who's committed to the one true God. No. It's, it seems yeah. that it's more about fealty, who you're going to, you know, give your allegiance to, who are you going to be, you know, what fidelity are you going to offer? And if your fidelity is for the one true God, go for it. Right, or somebody else. So it's okay when they're brought in, and then they they uh, you know acquire that uh, worship of our living God. Right. The problem is when they come in and they bring their idol worship with them, and then that becomes brought you know uh, acquired by those of the land, and just even the way way Solomon did is just right. 
amazing. It's like, wait a minute, you're just not that far out of God blessing you, saying he was going to be with you, but don't do this. Right. And then you do it. Like, what? You know? Yeah. And you think about, all, you know, Solomon marrying those 300 women and then having all these concubines, which are basically just slaves mm-hmm. of a certain nature. You know, I don't know who, how old the people are that are listening to this, but, you know, you, you think about that. They're basically just there to gratify him and yeah. to be there for him. And you look at a thousand different women and you go, that's crazy. But then I've also known friends who stopped being friends after they got in a relationship with somebody. Yeah. And they get so absorbed with that person that they just stop being who they used to be. So then I'm like, oh, well, actually, I guess that's not that crazy to imagine somebody going, well, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I'll sit through a service with you. I'll, you know, oh, yeah, I guess it's not that big of a deal. We don't have to go to church today. Or, you know, maybe right. that's how we would say today. Oh, it's not, not that big of a deal. You know, and then next thing you know, you're weeks, months, years down the road and you're not who you used to be, and you yeah. can't quite put your finger on what and why. And then you end up with, with phrases like this, and this is we see this all throughout the kings of Israel, um, more so than the kings of Judah, which we'll talk about next time. But, you know, uh, the big one that I think of is, you know, Omri, or, uh, you know, you mentioned Manasseh a little bit ago, Ahab is another one. But it says this, Omri, in, in this case, this is First Kings 16, Omri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did more evil than all who were before him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's not good. Hey, and I don't know if that was his life goal, uh, <laughs> but apparently he met it, and wow. Yeah, and these guys are just really bad, you know, and then you get to Ahab, uh, Omri's son, actually. Yeah. So so if you think about the, the tradition here, you've already got kind of a weird situation where, you know, Elah knocks off a king, and then Zimri, and then in comes Omri, and Omri serves for a long time, 30 or sorry, I lost my place, but he serves for a long time. And then his son takes years, over. Yeah. yeah, his son takes over Ahab. And that's another, that's 22 years. And you're going, wait, 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 wait. What's going on? But then Ahab doesn't just do what Omri did. He then marries the daughter of Ethbal, the king of the Sidians. And she's a high priestess of Baal or Baal. And that's Jezebel, this woman that we hear of, right? Yeah. And so you go, oh, is this ever going to get better? And the answer is no, it doesn't get better yeah it's it's just horrible (laughs) yeah and and just so evil but you know god has an answer for it doesn't he and and i uh, of the biblical jobs that are given to people um that we read about uh, i'm not sure that i would have been terribly crazy about being elijah no um i mean he's he's kind of work in this time and under this uh, reign of Ahab and evil wife Jezebel. And yeah. not, not that Ahab himself is not evil because he is. Uh, but boy, I mean, all this idolatry and all this worship of, of Baal, but all, it, it's just horrible. It's, uh, I don't know, a job I wouldn't want. Not that I wouldn't have liked to see some of his, uh, you know, miraculous moments. Yeah, totally. And there's some interesting things about Elijah that most people, I don't think, notice. And I don't know what to make of this, but I've spent a fair amount of time, like, in some of the Jewish writings and readings of, of Scripture. Because the Old Testament, you know, rabbis have some really interesting views of some of these things. And, you know, you get to First Kings 17, and Elijah the Tishbite shows up, this guy. 
And he goes up to Ahab, the king, the one that we just talked about, and he says, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. <laughs> and the rabbis have pointed out he's not speaking from the Lord here. It doesn't say, and the Lord spoke to Elijah and said, go say this to Ahab. He just goes in and talks to Ahab. And I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if they're reading too much into the text or too much out of the text, so to speak. But then what's crazy is then verse two, it says, the word of the Lord came to him and said this. And so some have argued, and I think it's kind of cool that Ahab, or sorry, Elijah is reading the text, whatever he has of it, or at least he knows it, you know, whether it's his mom teaching him or somebody else teaching him. He knows enough of the Torah to know that if you don't follow God's commands, he's going to stop the rains. And Elijah sort of, some rabbis say, take it upon himself to go then to the king and say, I've been reading. I know how this is going to go. There's going to be no more rain until I say. And then some of the rabbis say, that, and, and it's not like God was surprised by this. They're not saying that, but they're saying, so then the Lord speaks to Elijah and is like, all right, get out of here, go to the wilderness. <laughs> you better, right? you know, uh, good, good time to run, yeah, Elijah. The, the, the rain's going to stop because you, and, and, and they're not saying that God would even say that Elijah's wrong, right. but just that Elijah's speaking the truth of the word without even the God, you know, God speaking directly to him, which, man, you know, we could do a whole set of podcasts on just that. Elijah is so full of faith, he doesn't need a voice from God to go do something. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. That, that is cool. And he steps up and does it. And then God's like, yeah, you know what? You're right, Elijah. Yeah, we're going to make this happen. And then, so then he starts feeding him. But then one of the rabbis jokes that, uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed, he's being fed by ravens, right? Yeah. And I know you, you, we all know that part, but ravens are one of the unclean animals that we had in, in the Leviticus. <laughs> so some of the rabbis have said, you know, of course, God sends him ravens with food because they're like, God's going, check this out. You know, I'm going to drop you food. Are you going to eat it or are you not going to eat it? Like it's touched by yeah. an unclean animal. Are you going to do it? Maybe but, he just did that so he wouldn't eat the messengers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I keep trying to bring you food, but you keep killing the one that's bringing it to you. He's like, ooh, a quail with bread in its mouth. I'm going to eat that. And he does it. And then God's like, yeah, I got to send different. Stop <laughs> eating the messenger, please. It's so great. It's so you great. You tip the delivery guy. You don't eat him. Like, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a good word from the podcast. Don't eat your delivery guy. Just tip them. That's that's solid advice from, Take the food, from give Pastor Balmer. <laughs> Smile at them. Wish them well. But then we know so much about Elijah from here, don't we? Yeah. Well, you know, here's what, what I wonder about Elisha is when he has, you know, a bold moment like this, hey, you're not going to get any more rain, King. You know, is the, later on, is he kind of have this moment where we go, did I just do that? <laughs> Holy mackerel. What was I thinking? Yeah. You know, that, that was bold, you know, or was he just going, eh, that was nothing. I don't care. I care about a king. God's bigger. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, you you definitely see this this strangeness with him. I know we've both talked about it before. He seems almost like a bipolar prophet at times. Yeah. And we don't mean that to, you know, be disparaging to anybody that is actually struggling with a mental illness. But Elijah has these really high highs. Yeah. And you read the story and you're like, what a hero of the faith. And then like a line later, he's running for his life and saying, God, kill me now. Nobody else is alive. And you're going, you know, did the... Did, did you not just have a great victory? <laughs> like, God, Totally. Yeah. I think that, you know, I always think of this in terms of um, in pastoral ministry, you certainly love those victory moments. You love right. those moments where someone comes to Christ or you love those moments where the a worship experience is just obvious that the Lord is moving in people's hearts and lives. And, 
and then to have those wilderness moments, those mm. uh, the enemy is pursuing me and just take me now kind of moments. Um, I suppose that's the downside of the spiritual highs is that I, I know in my own life you you. You want to you want to connect as many of those spiritual highs, those successes, those many people come to Christ. You want to line up as many of those, and there, maybe there's an addiction to it or a desire for it. Right. That when when you go a season without it, it's like, ah, uh, you know, and it's hard to it's hard to just accept the average, or it's hard to accept the the down days where you're not on literally the mountaintop like he was there. Now he's running down the mountain or, you know, for his life or whatever. And, yeah. and then, and then just deciding I- I'm done. I'm over it. This is too much, you know? Right. Amazing. And what's really cool about that is at that moment when he's his lowest, God speaks to him, but then also provides him with a friend. Right. And so he gets Elijah, Elisha out of the deal. Yeah. Uh, and he goes to Elisha's farm, finds Elisha. They, you know, they sacrifice the bulls and get ready to go. And then Elisha takes over for him when he ascends into heaven, which, you know, if, if we're going to go, I think both of us would vote. Let's do the chariots to heaven thing. I know that is a way that's, that's a, that's a classy exit. I, I, you know, I believe he leaves his robe behind too. I don't know what to say about that, but yeah, it's a little weird. And then you, you take the robe and you slap the river and the river parts and you're like, and then all the prophets on the hill are like, oh, he does have the spirit of Elijah. Yeah. What, what a strange conversation <laughs> everyone's having. And then, of course, he calls a bunch of bears out of the woods to kill kids because why not? You know, when you can do it, do it. That's what I say. <laughs> I kind of wish that God had taken all of my hair. And maybe that's still coming, although, you know, I still have it at almost 40 now. So I, I think it's going to stay. But if I were bald and a bunch of kids came out of the woods to call me going up, you bald head, yeah. I, I would be very tempted. Yeah. I wonder where they'd be telling you, going up where? Exactly. Bald headed, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone a, a little bit astray here in our <laughs> podcast today. We hope uh, the that's story, not, the that's, story goes yes, there. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. So anyway, there's lots of good things, lots of fun little stories. You know, if you think about just the stories that you know from the old Testament, you know, we were just talking about right before we started recording. I think most people know the flood, right? Most people know yeah. something about a garden, you know, the burning bush. But I, it's a really easy Sunday school story. So most of us have grown up listening to either the Elijah show, showdown with the prophets of Baal, right? Or the axe floating up in the, the water or mm-hmm. the, the widow having food, even though it's all gone. Um, and, and Naaman. Right. Yeah. And those are all these two characters. Those are all the stories that are wrapped in Elijah and Elisha. And you go, oh, wow, these two had a pretty, pretty impressive ministry. Yeah. And just so cool. The, the things that they've got to see and experience. Yeah. You know, I, I, I jump back as we're talking about even how the evil ones like Ahab and Jezebel seem to get away with it. And we see that same kind of thread in the in the psalms why do the wicked prosper you know and yet their time comes you know and mm-hmm. you know they the lord lets ahab and jezebel get away with stuff but their time comes i mean after they go and you know kill naboth to have that vineyard it's like okay all right so <laughs> your time's coming yeah and i think it's weird to say that maybe that's encouragement for 
people who feel like the wicked always prosper, you know, but I hope that our heart is more toward compassion for the wicked and hoping that they would turn, um, yeah, to the right path. And no matter how dark it gets in Israel, and we talked about it in the sermon, and we're talking about it now, it, it gets very, very, very dark. Mm-hmm. There's always this faithful remnant of people, whether it's Elijah and Elisha, or whether it's, you know, other random little stories that you see. In, individuals who love the Lord always exist, even in the darkest of places. Yeah. The question is whether your voice is going to be uh, loud enough, I suppose, to to bring some light to the darkness. And how often do we have this mindset that? you got to be in the majority to be winning, you know, right. you know, the Christians are the minority. You know, what does Jesus say about the, the wide path and the narrow path and the wide gate and the narrow gate? You know, it's only a few. Yeah. It's a depressing thought uh, for those who are lost and for those who have loved ones that, that are lost. But the reality is, yeah, if you're in Christ, you're in the minority. Get used to it. Nope, that's a good word. So thanks for listening to our little discussion about the kings. Mm-hmm.